morning, Billabong Canning Vale. Billabong Volume 1. Billabong A New Hope. I don't know. Okay. Um, this morning before church, before we met together, plenty of people have prayed. Catholics sat in magnificent cathedrals reading poetic prayers of the historic saints. Muslims spread out their rugs and bowed their foreheads to the ground and began, began chanting the Quran in unison. Jews have written pleas to Yahweh on small pieces of paper and rolled them up and placed them in the cracks of the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Atheists in hospital waiting rooms are crying out to the God that they don't even believe is there. Now, you're here today in church, and that means you're an anomaly. Well done. People aren't going to church like they used to. In fact, the church is declining in almost every aspect, but prayer is not going anywhere. In fact, I'd like to encourage you. I think we are good at praying. Is that right? Yeah? I know some people here are very, very good at praying. Um, Prayer is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. Prayer is bigger than the church. Prayer is enormously powerful, and it isn't for the faint of heart. I'm going to start today by reading a couple of passages um, from the Bible. Let's see what comes up first. Clayton. So first we're going to look into Exodus. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, it's all about... Moses and the burning bush. You all know the story. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. The next passage is from Philippians chapter 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't be worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I want to start with this passage from Philippians 4, and um, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open it up and just kind of keep it there, because we're going to keep coming back to it. Um, it's a passage that we have, well, you, you've probably heard preached at Bilbong before. In fact, I think I've even preached on it once. Um, and it's a tough one for a lot of people. Um, if you're the sort of person who sees that and... Um, Reads, reads that bit that it says about not being anxious or do not worry about anything and it, you automatically switch off because it sounds like it's written by someone who's never had to worry about anything, which we know is not true because it's written by Paul. He had lots of worries. 
But the idea of not worrying about anything just makes you go, oh, really? What sort of person would say that? I just want you to bear with me. Now, this month, the Billabong has been looking into the concept of abiding. Um, we actually had a bit of an exploration on that over the last couple of weeks at Piara Waters as well. Um, and it's all about connecting or reconnecting with our Heavenly Father on a deeper level and the practical ways in which we can do it better. Um, looked at journaling, daily rhythms, and even welcoming distractions. But today, I want to explore what it's like to find the space, quite literally, for God. And to begin, I'm going to share a story about a man called Tyler Statton. Does anyone here know who Tyler Statton is? Yeah, I know Luke knows. Um, now, Tyler Statton, he is currently um, the lead pastor of a church um, in, I think it's in Bridgetown, or Bridgetown Church um, in Oregon, um, Portland. And he's also the national director of the 24-7 prayer movement in the US. He took over... Um, as lead pastor from a guy named John Mark Comer. But the story I'm going to tell you is actually of when he was 13 years old. Now, as a 13-year-old, Tyler, um, he was kind of like, he grew up in a Christian home, but he was at that point of going, uh, look, I've either got to believe in this God thing or I've got to kind of make my own life, make my own way. I can't kind of just sort of be uh, whatever. And so he was talking about this with one of his mentors, and his mentor um, challenged him. He said, look, summer holidays are coming up. What would happen if you prayed for every member of your class every day over the summer? Now, most 13-year-old boys would go, meh, I'm not going to do that. But he was, he was special. What he did, he printed off the name of every single person in his year. And then 6.30 in the morning, every morning of his summer holidays, he went to his school, which was closed because it was summer holidays, and he walked around the school praying for each one of those people by name. Now, this was in the days where you could just ask the school, hey, can I have a list of people's names in my year? And they give it to you as well as their phone numbers and their addresses, which definitely not happening nowadays. But he, he did this. He walked around every single morning, 6.30, and... It actually got to the point where his mum sat him down. His mum, who was really like fantastic Christian, who she sat him down and was like, look, Tyler, what's going on with this prayer thing? I'm getting really sick and tired of waking up and driving you to school at 6.30 every morning. But he said, I just got to do this. So he did that every morning over the summer break. And then when it came to school starting up again, he kept doing it. He'd come to school early and he'd do it. But he thought, mm, I've got to do something about this that's a bit deeper. And so he asked the kind of the people at the school was like, can I start a Bible study? And they're like, oh, oh. this is a public school, by the way. Not Christian at all, but they were like, oh, look, you can do what you want, but you need a teacher to kind of help out. So he got a teacher. And then he started a Bible study. Guess when he started his Bible study? 6.30 in the morning. Now, what sort of kids are going to rock up to a Bible study that a year eight boy has said, I'm going to start at 6.30 in the morning at school? <laughs> Well, people came. And this 13-year-old boy was probably preaching nonsense to these, his friends at 6.30 in the morning, but they kept coming. They kept coming. By about two or three months in, a third of his year eight cohort had given their lives to Jesus. 
Over half of them were attending weekly Bible studies at 6.30 in the morning, and it's all because he prayed every day, every night. Now, how important is prayer in your life? Where would you rank it? You see, if you are a goody-two-shoes Christian like I am, um, you want to respond to that question with, oh, it's the most important thing and I can't live without it. But I want you to think about this. If you are hungry, like I am now, I'm actually pretty hungry. I woke up early, had an early breakfast. As Luke was getting us to imagine that feast while we had communion, I was actually thinking of the food going, oh, oh, I'd love it. But if you're hungry, what do you do? You eat, right? You go to the pantry, grab out a muesli bar or something, or you grab some leftover roast chicken and you eat it. Have you ever forgotten to sleep when you're tired? Probably not. I mean, maybe you've kind of stayed up late watching movies or something, but generally, if we're really tired, we go to sleep. Why is it that when we come to things that we really need to pray about or really pray for, we sometimes forget. Or we just don't do it. Or we don't want to do it or we're too scared to do it or something comes in the way. Now, in Philippians 4, it says to pray in every situation, and that's no easy task. Um, and I know that even with the best intentions, there's no way I would be able to keep up praying for everything every time in every situation, like tomorrow or even today, or even next year. But there is something we can do to step towards that, to take a step into living that life of praying for everything. Um, And that something is finding our holy ground, or our sacred space. Now, a holy space is, is a physical place where God and his people interact. I'm extremely fortunate to have visited some of the most incredible holy spaces uh, over the years and around the world. So I've been to St. Mark's Basilica in Venice. I actually got to sing in there as part of a choir for a mass. And oh my goodness, that was incredible. I've visited Notre Dame in Paris before it burnt down. um, And I've been to the temple in Jerusalem. And tell you what, those places are incredible. Now, those are the sort of holy places where God has been present and working in the lives of thousands and thousands of people over the years. These are the sort of places that they're big and they're grand because lots of people put in money, put in effort, put in time to build them up because they saw the value in them. But I don't want to focus on them today. I want to focus on the smaller, more personal spaces that are in each and every one of our lives. I just want you to have a think now. Who here has a space in their life that they've recognised as a place where they feel closest to God or a place where they've heard God speak. If you have, I want you to kind of picture that space from now on as I I talk through this to kind of help you grow in your desire to seek it out more often. If you are thinking and you can't really quite picture a place, that's okay. Hopefully we can lead you towards finding one today. I just want to start by saying, for me, my place is a little black Hyundai i30 that's parked out the back out there. 
It's full of mess. It's in need of a service. But for me, that's my holy place, and I'll tell you why in a bit. Now, as I said before, Philippians 4 tells us not to be anxious. Um, But in all honesty, prayer is something that for a lot of us can cause anxiety. If you think about it, a lot of time when we pray, we relive the thoughts and the hurts and the fears, and we present them to someone else, and that can be really hard. Um, And so that is one of the barriers that comes between us and God. And so when it comes to finding a place that's a, a sacred place, I think the best thing to do to start with is find out what is holding us back. And one of the first things, I think, is the fear of what others think. Now, there are a few people this morning who were here when we prayed before church, okay? Quick hands up. If you were here this morning when we do the little prayer at 9.30, there was a, yeah, a few people. Cool. Um, when, if, if you've ever, has, who here has been in a situation where you're in a kind of a big or a, like a medium-sized group and you really, really want to pray something? There's something kind of you're broken about, something really hurting, or, or just like you just really want to pray, but there's other people there and you don't want to say it in front of other people. Or you're scared of what they might think, or you're scared you might say it wrong. And you don't want people to judge you. I, I've, it's happened to me all the time. A holy space is somewhere where we need to feel safe. And for a lot of people, that means you've just got to be the only person in that space. Maybe one other person that you trust deeply. But for a sacred space, the first thing that we need to look for is a space that we feel safe. Now, I'm, I think that the Billabong as a whole is a very safe place. I'm really blessed to be here and be able to talk. And that, that's actually why I can share here this morning because I know that this is a safe place. I know that um, people aren't going to jeer and throw things at me and... If they do, they do it out of love. Um, but for, we need to recognize that a, sa- a sacred space needs to be a safe space. And that's what my car is, safe space. I'm usually the only one in there because I've got too much junk that I can't fit anyone else in there. And I know when I close the doors, I wind up the windows and I'm out there driving. No one can hear me. People can only see me through the windows and that's okay. And for me, that's a safe space. Now... The second fear that we might have when we're trying to connect with God is silence. Silence can be scary. It can be awkward. What if when we're praying, God doesn't say anything? What if he does and I don't hear it? We are so used to living in a world full of sounds Lights, colours, distractions. Prayer can be tough because we have to face the risk of facing that silence when we're so addicted to noise. I was, I was reflecting on this and thinking about this and going, and like, for those who have a natural leaning towards introvertedness, you kind of think, oh, they probably really enjoy that silent time with them by themselves. But honestly, most introverts I know don't like silence either. They just don't like other people. <laughs> for, for introverts, it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the movies or the TV shows or the video games and all that. That's, that's a comfortable kind of 
silence, when you've still got noise coming at you. For extroverts, they get that from other people, but for everyone, silence is hard. So how do we combat that? Well, when we find our sacred space, our place that we can feel safe in, we also want to find we want it to be a place that maybe we've heard God before. We've got that confidence that we know that this is a space that God speaks to us. If you don't have that, the other place that you can have is a place that you know so well that if something changes or something happens, you can recognize it. Now, who here has heard of the method of loci? Anyone? Now, you probably don't know it by that name. The other name that it's sometimes referred to is mind palaces. If you've watched Sherlock Holmes, one of those things, he has mind palaces and that's how he remembers things. The idea is that you create in your head an imaginary place. And in that place are things that you want to remember. The way it works is you choose a place you are, that you re- know really well. So I experimented with this. I, um, I chose my place as my bedroom because I know my bedroom really well. I know kind of the ins and outs. In fact, most of us should know our bedrooms pretty well. And what I did is I tried to use that to memorize the 12 um, countries in continental South America. Not particularly useful facts, but it was fun to do. And so in order to do it, what I did is I imagined a pathway. So first thing, I look beside my bed and on my table, there's an Argentinian flag. You know, nice, easy one to start with, Argentina. And then next to that is a bowl of olives, Hmm, Bolivia. Then what we do is we walk down the end of my bed and there's a bowl of chilies, chili. Um, Then I go up to my, um, uh, what's it called, dresser, and there's a bag of coffee, Colombia. I, oh, where am I up to now? Coffee. Then I look onto the wall and there's a poster of Guy Sebastian, Guyana, Guyana, Guyana. Um, And then I open my door and down drops a parachute, Paraguay. I look to the left and there's a llama, Peru, and I look to the right and on the, um, on the bookshelf is my last name, Sur- Suriname. Suriname, I think. Dean, you've been there probably. No? Okay. So, Suriname. Then I look forward and I see an Uruk High from um, Lord of the Rings, and that's Uruguay. And then finally, a uh, gondolier passes by me, and that's Venezuela. Venice, Venezuela. And that was my method of remembering those names. Now, the only reason I can do that is because I can picture in my mind that place. I know it really, really well. Now, our holy space, our sacred space, if we want the confidence to know that we can hear God, we need to be comfortable in it. We need to know it really well. It's got to be a place that we can picture in our mind and we can be there and be present. Now, the final fear that I want to mention, which is by no means the only other fear that might be present, there's, there's so many fears that we have, but um, it's not knowing what to say. Who here has prayed with either Yoy or Samuel or uh, like someone who they pray and you're like, whoa, you know the words to say. It's amazing. If you haven't prayed with Yoy, I'd suggest it. Ask him to pray. He loves to pray, and he's really good at it because um, he's had lots of practice. Um, but if you pray with someone like that, it can sometimes be a bit challenging because you think, oh, no, they know all the words to say. What am I going to say? Um, who here was 
part or at the Billabong a few years ago for Easter where we had all the paintings, in fact, I did one of them, of, of different psalms, like the Lord is my shepherd, all, the, all these wonderful psalms and those paintings. Um, so these psalms are fantastic. These, all the psalms are basically prayers. They're prayers to God. Um, and some of them are so eloquent and so amazing, you think, oh, I'm glad someone else wrote them down so I can read them, but how do you come up with these sorts of things? Um, and the person who wrote them was... King David, yes, yeah, so King David wrote it, and whilst he is a fantastic model for these beautiful prayers, have a look at Psalm 140, verse 10. May burning coals fall on them, may they be thrown into the fire, into miry pits, never to rise. How about Psalm 69, verses 3, or verse 3. I am worn out calling for help, my throat is parched, my eyes fail looking for God. We'll have 142, verse 2. I, I cry out, oh, verse 1. I cry out to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. They don't sound like the beautiful poetry and wonderful news. It, it sounds like a grumpy, depressed troubled person just complaining. (laughs) This is the same King David who is one of the most, one of the largest historical figures in the Bible. And he did prayer so well because he was honest. When it comes to thinking of the words to say when we pray, I believe that our God just wants us to be honest. There's a reason that when Jesus taught us to pray, one of the key parts of it was, give us today our daily bread. Ask God what you need from him today and be honest about it. We need to find a space, a place where the words we say can just be the words we think. Now, can I get the first um, part of the, the passage up on the screen, Clayton, um, of Philippians? Now, as I said before, um, the bit about don't worry about anything um, is tricky, especially if you've dealt with anxiety or depression in your life, which, let's face it, most of us have to different levels. Now, How is it that Paul can write that, especially considering he had a stressful, anxious life? And the key is the first few words of this. Well, first few words, just before that. It says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. In other translations, it says, the Lord is near. Now, our holy ground doesn't need to be the big temple. It doesn't need to be the mosque. It doesn't need to be the fantastic building, worshipping God. It can be, absolutely. But our holy ground doesn't have to make sense to anyone except you. For Tyler Staten, it was his middle school. For me, it's my car. It could be, as for Moses, a bush in the middle of a desert, a bush that he would have walked past 
year after year after year, and until it burst on fire and God spoke through it, it would have just been a bush. It could be a stable connected to an inn in Bethlehem. So my challenge for you today, and I'm going to spend some time now, um, is I want you to think about a place for you that ticks all these boxes, a place where you can be comfortable and safe, where you can share exactly what's on your mind and what's on your heart, and a place where you can have silence and be ready for silence so you can anticipate God speaking to you. If you've already got a place or if you've got something that's coming to mind or something you're thinking about, I want you to find someone who you trust or someone that you think you can talk to. And I want you to just share some stories. Tell about how you were driving down the highway one day and you heard God speak to you. Or tell about how you made this little garden in your, in your backyard and you've got rocks and stuff. And when you sit there, you can feel God's presence. Share these stories with other people. And after you've shared, I want you to pray. Pray for each other that you might find more of these times, that you might um, find more places or invite more people into sacred spaces so that they too can experience God. So let me just pray for you, and then I'd like you to, to think, to share, to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ability that you've given us to abide in you to spend time to to think about what you have done for us and what you continue to do for us and I pray God that you might show us the places and the spaces in which we can really get to know you better that we might be comfortable we might be safe and we might hear your voice more and more God help us to pray all the time in Jesus name Amen.